Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, everybody, this is Marnie. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to be talking today about leadership, uh, especially women's ministry leadership, but this kind of leadership training applies to any type of leadership that you do. And the title of this program is To Truly Lead, Follow Hard. Our guest today, Becky Lynn, has a passion to see women fall in love with Jesus. She speaks and leads worship for retreats and conferences nationwide, encouraging women to follow hard after him. And her website is www.followhardministries.com. During the next hour, you are going to discover the number one thing a leader must do to succeed by God's standards. How to identify the God blockers and open the way for God's direction in your leadership and in your group. Why the Bible is the best leadership handbook and how to use it. The launch pad for every decision. The first response to every question. And what your women really need and how you can be God's minister to them. You'll also be learning one of the most common traps leaders fall into and how you can avoid it, how to quickly move your women from milk to meat and why you must do that now, and the key purpose, motive and outcome every ministry leader must accept. And right now, I'm excited to welcome to the program Becky. Hi. Hi, Marty. How are you today? I'm great, and I'm so excited that you're here because this is such a wonderful and timeless topic. We just always need help to remember if we already know, we need help to remember. And sometimes we've been missing like an important building block or important foundational block in our leadership skills. And so I'm really excited that you're here today to share with us. And Becky, you've been doing uh, leadership for a long time. Um, this isn't something new to you. And maybe can you think of somebody who was really influential in your life when you were learning how to be a leader? I would probably say my my dad. Um, I grew up as a pastor's daughter, and one of the things that I learned the most from my dad was to always seek the Lord first, and he was such a role model of that that definitely I have have uh, noticed that my ministry to women is especially shaped after that counsel, that wise counsel that he gave to be steeped in God's word and to listen to what he's telling you to do. That's awesome, and and there are so many things that leaders should know about and should do and everything, but let's just start with the number one thing that a leader has to do in order to be a success from God's perspective. So, And that's really different from being a success by any other standard. Um, God shares standards it, with us sometimes, but he has his own. <laughs> that's so true. You know, I almost hesitate using the word success because, you know, in the world's eyes, Success means um, you have arrived or you are making more money than everybody else or you have the most polished presentation. But, you know, in the midst of our leadership commitments, God calls us to be still 
and just to delight in him and to draw near to him and to listen to his voice. And I truly believe that leadership begins with loving the Lord and listening to his voice and following what he tells you to do. You know, Mark 12:30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And that is so important that as we as leaders are nurturing others, that that is foremost first in our minds. Otherwise, we don't even know what the Lord is specifically calling us to do or how he wants us to lead these other uh, women. You know, John twelve twenty six tells that whoever, whoever serves me, Jesus is saying this, whoever serves me must follow me. And a lot of times we forget who we truly are serving, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we need to, you know, turn away from just pleasing people and and focus on really pleasing the Lord. And I believe that's what true success is in our women's ministries and in any ministry that we're leading. I was just thinking this morning, I always put on the armor every morning. It's like getting physically dressed. I always get spiritually dressed in the morning. And I was putting on the, I was just taking up the shield of faith. And I had this different picture this morning than I've ever had before. And it really relates to this because I was thinking about the shield of faith being very close to me, um, mm-hmm. we tend to want the big picture, like what's going to happen a year from now, 10 years from now. You know, we want to see way out there, but the yes. shield that we're given is not always way out there. Sometimes the shield is just right exactly in front of our eyes. It's right in front of our body, right here, right now, what to do today. And yes. I, I, came, I came to this, you know, just awareness this morning again of how important it is, even if I don't know what's going to happen a year from now or five years from now, it's really critically important for me to say, what do you want me to do today? And mm-hmm. let God deal with that bigger picture out there, but just ask him for the strength for today, for the food for today, for the resources for today. And and really in our leadership, that is what it boils down to, isn't it? It's just that dependence. It is. And, it and is. And you know, the world is pushing that, uh, what's your five-year plan? Uh, what's your 10-year plan? And, I think a motto that I've I've followed for the past 30 years is I know what to do today and I knew, know what to do tomorrow. And that's many times the way the Lord leads us in ministry is as we are still, he doesn't reveal to us the whole picture. He just wants us to follow him day by day. And I think too... I think, too, of, of so many of us have been in the experience or know people who have who have had a big vision for out down the road a little ways and then have started toward that, have worked really toward it, and then God changes that and that exact mm-hmm. vision actually doesn't come to pass. But we are in a different position mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically, whatever, financially, than we would oh, have been if we had started down that road, you know. Mm-hmm. And just the ability, the willingness to let God lead. And, okay, so we have a big plan. Great. We'll hold it with an open hand because God is bigger than our plan. <laughs> yes. Boy, Boy, that so line, true. I think that could be like on a card or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just so important. And it's, it really doesn't come naturally to sit and be still when you're busy leading, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it I, really I has think to the, be a decision. Say that again. It has to be a decision, a choice. It does, it, a deliberate decision. You know, mm-hmm. for me, um, it, it, it's a step of faith. It's it's a it's a dying to yourself of of Lord. I want 
to truly lead according to how you want me to lead, not what I think looks best. Um, I want to follow your example. And even if I don't truly know where this is headed, I I just want to be submissive to you. And so it is that deliberate step of I don't need to be in control. He's in control. Right, right, yeah. Which leads us right to the next thing we're going to talk about here today, which is how to identify the God blockers and open the way to actually get God's direction. Mm, boy, you know, I think one of the God blockers in ministry is a very frenzied, hectic schedule. Uh, when we get so caught up in busyness as leaders, it truly dulls our senses to the nudgings of Jesus Christ. We are are so busy listening to the noise around us that unless we are still, um, we don't know what God's direction is for us. And and I think, you know, other God blockers that, that tend to um, keep us from knowing the direction are, are pride, uh, wanting recognition, wanting to please people. And yet when we are still before the Lord, it just sharpens our God awareness. And and I, I, I really believe that spending time with God makes life more productive. You know, we're so worried that if we're still before him, seeking his direction, it will be a waste of time. We should be out doing something. And yet I have found that the more time I spend with God, the more it makes my life even more productive. Absolutely. I, I was thinking when I first when I was first learning how to pray for long periods of time and to really, you know, sit with God and be still, what was interesting is as soon as I sit down and as soon as I commit time to pray and to really focus on God, I began to feel guilty, things that I wasn't getting done, as if I wasn't being <laughs> effective while I prayed. And I really yeah. didn't know what to do with it. And at at an early point, what I realized is that I just kept a notebook beside my prayer chair and whenever one of those thoughts would come to mind about the things that I wasn't getting done because I was wasting my time here talking to God, um, mm-hmm. you know, I would just jot it down and I would say, you know, I'm going to take care of that later. But, God, right now I'm going to focus on you. And it was amazing. Uh, just like you said, he, he, like, redeems the time. I think he really he does. does redeem the time. And it makes the time go farther when we spend time mm-hmm. alone with him. I really believe he honors that. And mm-hmm. he shows us favor if we'll just, Submit to him. Um, yeah, I I'm definitely a, a type A personality, and so I can really relate with your lists. Yeah, <laughs> I've got all of these things to do. God has recently, Marnie, just really convicted me that I am such a doer, and He has called me to be like Him, even in the doing. And so for me personally, that has been a God blocker of of not being able to hear his direction because many times I get in the way and it's even in the the light of doing ministry sometimes, that busyness keeps me from hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of some of the other God blockers um, that come in are just unconfessed sin, you know, just having something exactly. in your life that... You're not willing to let him touch. Mm, that's right. Um, and that ownership of thinking that we have rights, I think, is another God blocker. Of, <laughs> you know, come to that submitting again, surrendering, um, total abandonment to him. 
Yeah. I think about, for me, I've just learned that almost everything that starts with the word self is trouble. (laughs) 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 self introspection self-centered, self-gratification, self-anything, you know, self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit. And if I try to do it on my own, that even becomes a sin. I'm not even supposed to do that on my own. I'm supposed to let him do that through me. So, you know, that's just huge for a leader is to just get in your own way, get in God's way and and not get out of the way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I use a phrase phrase in my own head. I just say, stand down. Um, And, you know, when it's like, you know, I just, I just, feel this urge to defend myself or defend somebody else or, you know, do something. It's just like, just stand down. Just let God do this. Let God do this. And that really helps. Yeah. Um, you know, in, when it talks about in Psalm 46, when it says, be still and know that I'm God, in the actual Hebrew language, the be still actually means put your hands down. And so <laughs> when you're talking about that stand down, you know, we as women, God says, put your hands down. And know that I am God. <laughs> you know that yeah. is so. That's so powerful. I, I will remember that stand down thing. <laughs> stand down, stand down. Well, this is Marty. We're visiting today with Becky Lynn of FollowHardMinistries.com. We're going to come right back and talk about why the Bible is the best leadership handbook ever and how to use it, and also the launch pad for every decision and the first response to every question. We will be right back. WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit WomenSpeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Well, this is Marty. Welcome back. Uh, Of course, Becky Lynn, our guest today, is a speaker over at womenspeakers.com, along with a couple thousand other gals who are just wonderful. They're all over the country, all over the world, really, uh, waiting to hear from you, event planners who need to bring somebody in for a mother-daughter tea, a retreat, a conference, an event uh, of any kind, and Go over and check that out at womenspeakers.com. Right now, Becky, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the best handbook in the world for leaders. It's the best handbook for everybody, but it is no kidding um, the best handbook for leaders, the Bible, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, some people may even question, why are you even talking about that? That's a no-brainer. Of course, the Bible is the best leadership handbook. And yet, Marnie, as I've traveled throughout the United States and Canada, I've been appalled to see how many ministries are actually no longer using God's Word uh, as their training tool. And I really believe that without the Word of God, your ministry to women is going to fail. Um, It's going to crumble. The Lord wants us to study the Bible until it totally shapes the way we lead others. Uh, Looking at God's character, becoming more like Him, and Many times women's ministries, I believe, use maybe a good book uh, written by a good author um, at the expense of replacing the Word of God. And I believe the Lord wants us to personally, as leaders, to grow in understanding His Word and to really hunger for Him, but then also to train others to dig into His Word and to apply it daily to their lives. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that in the Bible, for me, 
one of the things that has been useful as a leader for me is that I've come to be able to personally rate, relate to pretty much everybody in there at some point or another. It's like, oh, oh yeah, trapped, it, you know, trapped trying to do what God's called me to do, like Joseph or, you know, um, or uh, David. You know, they're, they're anointed, they're called, and yet they don't get mm-hmm. to go do what God's called them to do because they've got to be in a prison or out in the field or whatever for a while longer. Yeah. and. You know, I mean, you, you just come to say, oh, every leader in the Bible has gone through the same exact scenario as me, but in their own way, in their own time. But that feeling of uh, whatever I'm experiencing, it's there, right there in the Bible for us. And it, it expresses yes. through them how we're to respond to that. I especially love David, how he always responds with praise. And then he's just super honest, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just... I just want you to kill him, God. I just want to die. I just, you know, he just would be so so honest and teaches us how to how to relate to God. It does, and and you know, we're all looking for purpose in life, and the one ultimate purpose is to bring God glory, and that is written throughout the entire scriptures. And so, to be able to present to other women, you know, you have purpose in life. God has created you. And he has made you very unique. And and within the pages of his word, he has given you life lessons and directions of how you can live your life to the fullest with meaning. just seems to be what women are, are longing to hear. You know, God has created us with that void in our hearts that can only be filled with Jesus himself. And to be able to show God's word is his love letter to us, too, um, Jesus says he will be our husband, he will be our father, and he is the one who will never leave us nor forsake us, and that is in his word. So to dig into his word and to find those nuggets of truth that we can apply to our lives is such an encouragement, uh, and it gives us hope and peace and comfort. It's actually really funny. I was was thinking about when I picked up the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn, I remember... Mm -hmm thinking, I'm so curious about this, about what he has to say. And then the thought that came after that was, but I really don't care what he has to say. I'm really curious what the Bible says about it. You know, so I hope mm-hmm. that this book isn't just about what he has to say, but rather about, you know, exploring with him what the Bible has to say about it. And that's exactly what it was. But, you know, so many times you pick up a book, um, like you were saying, and say the Bible church is using books and um, you pick up a book and there's a few scripture references, but it's really a man's opinion versus what God says about it. And we want to really be careful that we're getting it straight from God and then letting other people do commentary on what God says instead of getting it from someone and letting God do commentary on that. There's a big difference oh, that's there. There yeah. really is. And, and, you know, to train women how to dig into God's word, um, you know, as women come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, the very next question they have is, now what do I do? And I think the worst thing we can do is to point them to man in any way, shape, or form. The best thing that we can do is get them into God's word and to show them and to train them and equip them so that if, if all they had was God's word, that would be enough. You know, they would have Jesus right there through his own living word and it's just such a powerful, powerful gift from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And everything you need is in there. So just make sure to crack it open often and always go there first. But that's talk right. about the launch, the launch pad for every decision and the first response to every question. 
<laughs> prayer. I definitely believe prayer is a launch part of pad of all ministry because without it, we really short circuit all that God wants. Um, I think every leader needs to ask the question: Am I personally a prayer warrior? I think prayer is probably my um, weakness. You know, I I see the importance of it, but it's very it's it's something again that takes determination and faithfulness and and a set of mind. I'm going to spend this time in prayer, and yet it is so very very important because prayer is what humbles our hearts before God. And our dependence on him will only grow. And um, I just see that as being something that is so vitally important in ministry. And it it should definitely be the launch pad. Without it, our ministries will be very shallow. There's a a poem, and I don't know it, but the gist of it is that Satan will laugh at anything that is not based on a foundation of prayer. Exactly. it's It's just silly, really, to go into ministry and not do prayer. It'd be Mm -hmm. like running errands. You know, I have this funny thing I say, uh, Becky, I I like to say it, but I can't hardly ever say it. You know, it's usually not appropriate to say it, uh, maybe what I would say politically correct. But uh, I would like to say when somebody says, what do you do for a living? What I'd really like to say is I'm the personal assistant to the king of the universe. And I spend every morning with him. I spend every morning with him in private consultation. And then I go run his errands all day long, and he provides all the resources I need to get it all done. And then and then at night I just check in with him and see how I did, you know. And that's really what I feel like we're doing. And so it would be like us asking someone if we could run errands for them but never asking them what they wanted us to do. I mean, oh, how dumb that, that true? We could run errands all day long and never accomplish what they had in mind. Mm. And it's, it is true, you know. But again, I think it's also a temptation or something that all of us struggle with on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but when you sit still before God, like you mentioned earlier, all of these distractions happen. And Or when you start praying, that's when you get sleepy. Or, you know, I could go on and on. And yet, again, that is that is a clear sign that Satan does not want us in a constant communication with our maker. He doesn't want us to know what God um, wants to reveal to us. And he's going to try all, he, you know, use all of his efforts to keep us away from doing what the Lord wants us to do. And that's to sit at his feet and to truly sense his heartbeat, <laughs> to know to know that we know that we know this is what God wants us to do. And that comes through that unceasing time of prayer with him, whether we're we're just sitting or whether we're walking through our day, especially when we're ministering to others, that needs to be the focus. The launch pad of everything we do needs to be just soaked in prayer. I was thinking as you spoke how to say this because I don't want to sound like I've totally arrived on this because I haven't. I think we can all just keep growing. <laughs> and I don't know mm-hmm. to what depths I get to go with this, but what I do know is that it used to be very difficult for me to pray. Um, I'd have mm-hmm. to kind of work at it. I'd have to, you know, um, it, it was it was more it was more cumbersome. And now it is such an easy thing. And I think the difference came for me when there was a paradigm shift between me talking to the air and me really talking to my friend, my God, my father who's there, and knowing yeah. that we're really right here together, that 
And I actually have pictures in my mind now. Like if I'm just by myself speaking with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I'm actually sitting on Daddy's lap. And I'm actually mm. looking over at Jesus. I'm sitting in a specific direction so that uh, if Jesus is at the right hand of God, then I'm looking right at Jesus and I'm on Dad's lap. And, and we're just there together talking about things. It's not a one-way conversation me telling them what I think. It's a two-way conversation. And another picture I have is when I'm coming with someone else to prayer. Um, my husband mm. and I pray together. And by the way, for those of you who are listening and you'd like that, but that hasn't happened yet for you, don't give up. That didn't happen for us. We've been married um, 31 years now, and that didn't happen to, for us. And just for the past few years, finally, we figured out a way to consistently pray together. But one of the pictures that I have in my head is that I just am holding his hand, and we're walking together up to the throne of God and actually speaking to him together because we have some needs, and we really love him, and we just want to talk to him about it. What would he want us to do, and what's he going to provide for? And, you know, what should we not mm-hmm. do? And when we have this picture of him being a real being a real person, bigger than a person, but a real being, always with us, that I can always mm-hmm. find him. And I always say he's the only one that wants my junk. You know, I just can be so mm-hmm. honest with him when I'm just icky or whatever. I can be really honest with him, and other people don't want to see that side of me, but God does. God really mm-hmm. wants that part of me. So it really changed it for me, and it makes it so, like, how could it be hard when it's mm-hmm. so wonderful? And so amazing, and it's like breath now. I said, I can't, I can't not do it now. You know exactly. Yeah. Yes, and it's so comforting to know that Jesus never gets tired of us. I know. It's you amazing. know, he's always there. He doesn't need space from us. He wants to hear from us, and then he wants us to sit and listen to him. And you know that that's been another avenue of prayer that recently I've just been asking the Lord, well, well, uh, deep in my heart is that part of, okay, now, Lord, you've heard me. Now I want to hear you. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. That is, that's a hard discipline to wrap your head around, isn't it? Um, just listening to God speak to you. And how does he do that? Um, you know, I think prayer is definitely the most that we can do. Many times we think that that in prayer uh, we should be doing something. That prayer is a waste of our time. And yet, you know, when Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I will do it, when he says that we're to ask anything in his name, that means according to his character and with his authority. And so something else um, I can so relate with when you're talking about praying and talking to your best friend and someone who loves you unconditionally. The other thing that has just motivated me to prayer is realizing the power that is in prayer because even when we close our prayers in Jesus' name, when we are praying with Jesus' name, there is authority there. And his Father makes good the word of his Son. So if Jesus is saying, ask me anything according to my name, I will do it. There is such authority and power there as long as we are praying um, according to his character, what he would pray. And that gets me excited because, um, again, there's purpose there. Well, we can only just do a little bit in our own self. I mean, even if it looked really great, it would have no eternal value if we did it without God's power. Right, apart from him, we can do nothing. Yeah, right, exactly. that's so right. So it's just so it's just so imperative that we spend time 
knowing what he would want us to do and then doing it with his power. Yeah. Yeah, huge. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm Marty uh, We're visiting today with Becky Lynn of Follow Hard Ministries. We're going to come right back after break and talk about what women really need right now and how we can minister to them. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more, all available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Hey, you guys, this is Marnie, and our uh, guest expert today is Becky Lynn. It's always funny to call somebody a guest expert, but you really are an expert. <laughs> Becky, on leadership, and I'm so excited to have you here sharing what you've learned, what God's taught you through the years, and I'm so grateful that you could join us today for this program. Let's talk about what women really need to know, because, um, or what they really need, because there are so many things out there that women's ministry leaders or leaders can be focusing on. So maybe share with us your heart. What is, what is it that's on your heart? What do women really need? I really believe that as women's ministry leaders, we need to be ministers of God's joy. And I don't mean happiness, but, you know, women need a safe place where they can experience the joy of the Lord. Um, again, focusing on his consistency, uh, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his mercy. Um, my goodness, uh, women are looking for joy givers, and the joy giver is Jesus Christ. They're also watching us to see if we're serving them with joy. Um, so offering a place where they can experience joy and laughter and just feel loved on. Hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, I... I know for me, this was like I had um, been talking to God one day, and and I had asked Him, you know, what are what are the priorities for me? And I just was able to list down several things just right in a row. But the very last thing that came to my heart was joy. That more than anything else on that whole list, that my priority in life would be to pursue and to live out His joy. And, you know, so I'm really. I'm really hearing what you're saying right now is that that's important. And it's not easy to do because everything, not everything around us, but, boy, the majority of life is pressing in in a way that um, wants to steal our joy, really. Boy, that is so true. You know, Satan does want us to rob us of joy, and he does that in so many different ways. You know, we're in a world that is surrounded by people who have been betrayed, people who have been rejected, um, hurting, deeply hurting women. And they need to see that even in the midst of these horrible tragedies that they're going through, they can have joy. Just the peace of knowing that God is in control brings so much comfort. And I I believe that is, is a a very important need that we need to be able to to identify and and then be willing to minister to them in that way. So, like for me, um, I had a situation just yesterday 
where my joy got just stolen immediately. There was some <laughs> situation with somebody that just stole my joy right gone out the window. I was fine, and then all of a sudden I was not fine. Um, I was upset. I was sad. I was um, hurt. I was, you know, just agitated. And I went away from that situation, cogitating, you know, thinking about it, thinking about, you know, what I should say, what they should say, what if they were right, if I was right, you know, like that. You're thinking you're all absorbed in this thought, and I call it a merry-go-round. You, once you get on, and once that merry-go-round catches some speed, it's a little scary to let go, you know, because you're mm. moving pretty fast now. And yeah. that's kind of how the thoughts can be. But if you realize that a thought isn't a merry-go-round, it just feels like it is. It's a false, it's a false feeling that you're going to get hurt if you stop it. You can't really just take a break. And that's actually I was able to do that right in the moment. I was able to just stop and just say, just say, no, I don't have to stay upset about this. That was upsetting, mm. but it is no longer upsetting. It just was mm. upsetting. And now I can move on and I can have joy here. And it was just, I just put a smile. I just decided to smile. <laughs> and then yeah. I just chose shows that I would not remain in that upsetting moment. And I was able to just move on. And sometimes you can do that. Other times you just can't do that. Um, you know, I use it, I use the analogy of emotional pain often is the same as physical pain. So if you just broke your leg, uh, you wouldn't just five minutes later say, well, get over it. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. you, know, you shouldn't still be feeling pain. The emotional pain can be like that too. You're going to have pain for a while. But even in that pain, you can hold on to hope and you can know that God's got you, and there are things to rejoice in, maybe not be happy about the pain, but you can mm-hmm. be happy that in the pain you have a Savior, you have a God, you have hope for a future. And so what are your thoughts? Like when you, when you are spinning out, let's say, on a negative or on a down thought that is robbing your joy, um, what mm-hmm. do you do? <laughs> you know, Many times it's the day after a ministry event where there's going to be an attack on my joy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, I, I, you know, this is like a real life experience here. An example of what I what I go through: negative thoughts, feelings of inadequacy. Um, maybe I'll get one of those phone calls. Uh, where somebody is really upset, um, where they attack who you are to the core kind of things. And my joy just wants to run out to left field somewhere. And, um, again, the only thing that helps me in that time, it's not even somebody coming and saying, oh, don't believe that, you know, it'll be okay. Or, But I, what has helped me the most is being still before God listening to his word, which is my only constant. It is my stability. It is the rock that I stand on. And realizing my joy comes from him. It's not coming from my circumstances. It's not coming from any person. He is the only one that can be my constant. And and when I say that, Mari, I'm not saying, you know, it just happens like in five minutes and okay, no, everything is just fine because... <laughs> that doesn't happen. I wish it did. But sometimes it's just keep going back to his word. Um, walk out of my bedroom and get another phone call or all those thoughts keep coming back into my mind again. Then i got to go back and read another verse. You know, um, Having God's word on even 
four by six cards in significant places helps bring me back to the truth of the matter. And, uh, you know, I wish I had a formula to follow. That I don't, um, but I just, I see that joy is being robbed by so many different places and people in our society today. And women need to know that joy is not based on happiness not based on circumstances it comes back down to their constant and that's Jesus Christ mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um, you, you said you don't have a formula and, and there is no formula of course because God is a being he's not a thing that we put in a box he's huge but I love yeah. to oftentimes when I am not able to process anything I just kick right into Psalm 91 1 and, and I just got this memorized down to my core, but uh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say the Lord, and I keep going, but usually that first verse is enough to um, is enough to have a picture for me in my mind of being yes. under God's huge protection, and no matter what is assailing me, if I can just remember <laughs> that, and it's like turning a light on in a black room. When those black thoughts are all that you can hear, all that you can comprehend, what needs to happen is that God's light needs to shine in there. And what mm-hmm. happens in a black room when the light comes on is that the black goes away. It has to mm. it can't stay there because there's light now. And so um, if there's only dim light, if there's only a little, well, you know, like if you only have a crack under the door, well, okay, at least you've got some light. You know, start with something. At least you can see where the door is. You know, to open That's it and right. let light um, come in. But, but kicking into a scripture, whichever one you know, just kick into it mentally uh, and let God let God open the door for your heart from there. But it is really, um, I think that I think that choosing joy. I I sometimes say it this way that choosing joy is my full time job. You know, that that's really mm. everything that I spend time on. That's what I have to work a lot on every day. Well, and you know, Mari, even you just even confessing that, that's what women's ministry should be, a place where women can come together, get into small groups, encourage one another, because even just hearing you say choosing joy is is an all-time thing for you, you know, it's a full-time job. What encouragement that is to another gal who is going through the same thing and going, oh, I know what you mean. You mean I'm not a failure? Um, so when I when that's I say normal, that every right. women's ministry leader needs to be a minister of joy, that's exactly what you are doing right there. You know, even in your weakness, you are showing God's strength, and and I believe that needs to be a focus of our our women's ministries is is being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to be real, acknowledging our weakness so that Christ's strength can be seen through us, and. In that, we can be ministers of joy to other people. Yeah, absolutely. I did a, um interview with um, Jennifer Landreth and Rachel Lovingood a couple years ago in our shoes, their uh, wives of pastors, and um, they talked about they talked about how hard it is for a pastor's wife to be vulnerable, and it's hard for leaders to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because we have this idea that if we are vulnerable, we have less credibility. But the the truth of it is. And I think it was Rachel who said that her next door neighbor behind um, the out across the backyard from her um, ended up coming to church and and accepting Christ. And and she had said, you know, 
what was it that prompted you to come? And she said, it was you yelling at your kids out the back door. And she said, what? (laughs) You know, that was just shocking to her. But the neighbor said, she said, well, I knew you were a pastor's wife, and I just figured I could never relate to you or I could Mm -hmm. never, you know, I could never attain to the level of perfection that you were. But when I Mm -hmm. saw you yell at your kids, I realized that you were just a person and I realized that, okay, if she's just a person like me, then maybe what she's got, I could have too. You know, and we, yes. it's not that we go out of our way to fail. We don't have to try. <laughs> we, don't, we try not to. <laughs> but we're just going to do it, you know. But I think, I think just to recognize that we are, you know, sinners saved by grace, and that's all we are. And it's wonderful, yes. but it's all we are. <laughs> we don't have nothing to claim well, beyond that. You know, I think one of the most common traps that leaders fall into is the temptation that they have to appear strong and that they have everything in control. And just like what you've just said, it's important that we are approachable. And in Second Corinthians twelve nine, you know, Jesus says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And many times, if we only show our strengths, we are robbing people from seeing Jesus Christ through us because he has seen through our weakness. And, um, you know, a leadership that is built on arrogance and pride is going to fall apart. And um, and we're no longer approachable. Is that the trap? Is that the trap? I believe that is the the trap. trap. Yes. (laughs) That is the trap, is is just thinking that we as leaders have to, to appear that we have everything in control. Um, the more vulnerable we are, you know, people want to be around real people, not ones that are hiding behind masks. And, you know, I think of Peter and John when they were defending their faith. Um, you know, they were seen as very uneducated and ordinary men. They were not trying to be uh, perfect in any way. But what people noticed is that they had been with Jesus. And that tells me that they were obviously showing him through their weakness. And yet people were not saying, oh, that person is so weak. That person is so terrible. They were saying, wow, those guys, they have been with Jesus. And so as we show our weaknesses, as we are vulnerable, and I know there is a balance. I know that there is a balance in, in being ministry leaders, but as we are more approachable and real, just like that pastor's wife yelling at her kids, I think it will, of course, if we're getting God glory through that, it will draw people to him, and that's what it's all about. The other thing that it does is it really develops from the top down in your organization, it develops a a sense of grace. Uh, um, yes. the foundation of grace among your women. So, if uh, so, for instance, last night, okay, so not only do I host this online, well, this radio show and then womenspeakers.com and other websites, but we have a restaurant and we have a retail store, and right now we're a little short-staffed at both places, and so I'm, I'm juggling way too many balls, but this is how many balls God gave me for right now, so it's okay. But last night, I got a phone call in the afternoon, and it was like, where are you? It was the restaurant. Where are you? You're supposed to be here. Oh, my goodness, I totally (laughs) dropped that ball. I'll be there. So I went over there, and on the way, I was just remembering. I was just so grateful for grace. And it's like when we fail, others are allowed to give us grace. 
And <laughs> therefore, when they fail, when they fail, I'm allowed to give them grace. But if I never publicly fail ever, there is not that kind of a foundation in our relationship. I, they don't mm. they don't come to me with their failures because they don't know if they can trust me with it because I seem to never fail. I, I'm I'm saying that of course I'm not realistically because I fail all the time. But um, when we have these failures that happen, it keeps us humble as well yeah. as it develops this much deeper, true, authentic relationship with each other, which is you know which is when I use the phrase "You were Jesus to me." You know, you were Jesus yes. to me. When you just covered for my fault, when you covered for my failure, right there, you were mm-hmm. Jesus to me. And that's a, as a leader, isn't that what we want to be? Jesus to yes. others? You yes, know, definitely. That's our role, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that is one of the biggest uh, traps leaders fall into. But just real quick, what are a couple other things that leaders can do wrong <laughs> that uh, will have pretty big um, negative ramifications? What will leaders do wrong that will have pretty big ramifications? Is that what you said? Yeah, what, are, that some the other what are some other things? Uh, yeah. Besides that unwillingness to be real um, and to be weak so that God can be seen through um, their weakness, I think another um, failure, if we want to say that, is when leaders are always trying to bring glory to themselves and not to Jesus, Um, Hmm. trying to get the recognition, uh, trying to do things because they want approval, uh, being a people pleaser rather than a God-fearing pleaser. And um, I I believe that that's going to cause a lot of damage to ministries, definitely. You said it earlier. I'm just going to say it again here. Um, whenever you are in front of a group in any way, um, you, there is the great potential that someone's not going to like something you say or do or something you mm. wear <laughs> someplace yes. you can or whatever. Uh, people pick amazing things to throw rocks at. But what I learned early on and what I still do is when I can, if, if it's in writing, if it's an email or a letter that I can tell is going to be um, – detrimental to my to my self-esteem and I say that humbly the self-esteem comes like self-control it comes from the spirit of God he has made me a child of God I'm I'm an amazingly loved and cherished person by God so when something comes against that I actually take that piece of paper and I actually kneel down by my bed and I just lay it on the bed just like Hezekiah did in the Old Testament and then I read it um so, and if I have to do it on the phone, I'm praying the entire time I'm listening to the person. I'm praying yes. for them, and I'm praying for me and for the group and for whoever else will be affected by this. So I think it's just something that we just have to learn that um, we aren't going to be able to everybody. Yes, and in recognizing who our true enemy is. He knows right. what buttons to push. And, you know, if it's attacking our integrity, he's going to do it. If if it's um, wanting to be approved, then he's going to make sure that he throws a lot of different targets towards making you feel disapproved. And so right. just remembering who our true enemy is and who ultimately is to receive the glory, not us, but Jesus, helps you see where your defense really is. So I think I love right. your idea of kneeling before you read um, that's just humbling yourself before the Lord. Help me to read right. this criticism 
through your eyes. Help me to hear it through your voice, God. And the rest, block it from my mind. Do not even allow it to attach in any way. Right. I always say, be a duck. Let it roll off your back. <laughs> All the other stuff. That's back. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Marty. We're visiting today with Becky Lynn of Follow Hard Ministries. We're going to come back and talk about how to move your women quickly from milk to meat and why you must do it now. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Event. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or Freedom Members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we're having such a great time today with Becky Lynn of FollowHardMinistries.com. Becky, let's talk for a minute about how to move women from milk to meat. And uh, what we're talking about here is from really surfacey, lightweight um, conversations to things that are really truly deep and and things that really move a person from where they are now to toward where they want to be. Mm-hmm. You know. The whole um, thrust of Jesus' earthly ministry was in discipleship. You know, his whole purpose while he was on earth was to disciple and equip uh, his disciples. And so I believe that if we're going to take a, a baby Christian and move her deeper in a walk or take a gal who has been a Christian for 15 years and she wants to move even deeper in her walk with Jesus, it comes down to that discipleship. You know, having a face-to-face, heart-to-heart, intentional relationship um, is only going to lead to spiritual change. Um, I, You know, it means taking all of Christ's teaching that he's given us and then showing women how to live as he did. Um, taking the, the character of Christ and, and, and then showing each woman how to handle the problems that she faces or how to share her faith or how to grow spiritually. Um, you know, again, when women come to know the Lord, the very next question they have is, now what do I do? And to move them from that point to a life of more spiritual maturity, I believe we cannot... Um, avoid that kind of mentoring, that kind of face-to-face, heart-to-heart, intentional relationships in in our ministries. It, it can't just be all book or intellectual. It needs to be relationship pouring into one another. And how have you seen this done? So let's just uh, say that there's a women's ministry leader listening right now who's got um, 120 women. How mm-hmm. do you how do you see this done? I really believe the importance of two things, small groups, breaking into um, small groups each and every time you meet so that the older Christians are actually encouraging the younger. But then also I am a firm believer in mentoring, the older women in Christ mentoring the younger women in Christ. And, and you know, 
assigning some relationships, you know, small groups or that one-on-one kind of relationships. You know, a pastor's wife, a women's ministry leader, can only meet with so many people. But God wants us to entrust what he's given us into faithful others who can then turn around and entrust it into other faithful others. And that, that just continues to multiply. And and I, so I, I believe the importance of the small groups in the larger group and then um, having those one-on-one times with older women in the faith, I think that is so important. And many times it's neglected. I always like to say that um, if you are breathing, you are an older woman. <laughs> Someone mm-hmm. is younger mm-hmm. than you. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you need to both have seasons of time of mentorship and seasons when you mentor. And exactly. you don't need to wait until you're 70 to become a mentor. You you should be a mentor when you're 20. When you're um, mm-hmm. always, The first time I was a mentor when I was 12 years old and I was teaching four-year-old girls. And that's when I first began mentoring younger women. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to start where you are and use what you have. But it is in those it is in those relationships that we truly, you know, make a lot of progress forward. And it's not it's not that you have to have that because if you if you are isolated out and you can't have that, well then God can meet you right where you are. But God mm-hmm. loves body life. It's it's one of his favorite ways of taking yes. us deeper is with another mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. You know, and I think women's ministry is something that's much more than just meeting once a week or meeting once a month. Women's ministry is being in contact with each other on a daily basis. And how do you do that? You know, the importance of having prayer partners, the importance of um, being available so that women know they don't have to figure out spiritual growth on their own. They have some sisters in the Lord that are there to answer some tough questions or are there to listen even though they don't have the answers. Um, It's just so very, very important, and I believe that's where the spiritual growth really happens. So what is the key purpose, motive, and outcome every ministry leader must accept? Lead with one determined purpose. And that determined purpose is to bring God glory. In every single ministry event that you hold, asking the questions, did the women experience God? Did they sense his presence? Are they leaving with a deeper understanding of who Jesus is? You know, we are to imitate Jesus Christ, but ultimately we are to give him the glory. It's not about us. It's not about our program. It's not about our women's ministry. It is totally about him. So our key purpose, I believe, is to lead with that determined purpose that we're going to bring God glory in in all that we do. Wow, it's so beautiful. I often, at the end of programs or at the end of events, I often just have this overwhelming sense of awe and gratitude and just being amazed that I got to be a small part of what God just did. You know, yeah, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That that is, uh, you know, I don't think it's an addictive feeling, <laughs> but I think it's a feeling that God made us to crave that that mm-hmm. sense of part, partnering with Him. And I have this picture of us being like a little four year old, you know, with Dad, and He says, "You want to go build a shed with me today?" And yeah, the little four year old is in the way and knocking over the 
nails and running around and chasing the dog more than he's working. But at the end of the day, <laughs> Dad and the little four-year-old stand back and they put their hands on their hips next to each other and they look at the shed and Dad looks down at the four-year-old and the four-year-old looks up at Dad and Dad says, we did a pretty good job, didn't we? And the little four-year-old is like, yeah, we did. And Dad's like, you want to go to DQ to celebrate? You know, and that's how I feel like with God and, and us doing anything together, you know, I'm just in the way most of the time. I'm messing it up and I'm just not all that helpful. But God just wants relationship with me and he just mm. lets me partner with him as we lead whatever it is or as we follow whatever it is together. And that's really where leadership, the crux of leadership is all glory to God. I love that. What a great way to end this program. Becky, mm. my goodness, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I really enjoyed just getting to know you over the phone, Marnie. That's it's just been great to talk with all of these women and, and share our hearts <laughs> with each other. Yeah, that's great. You've been such a wonderful speaker over at womenspeakers.com for such a long time. You guys gotta go check her out there. Also at her own website, followhardministries.com. Becky, if they go over there, what are they gonna find? Well, if you are interested in having a speaker or um, a consultant in uh, either children's ministries or in women's ministries, you will find lots of information there. Uh, But I pray that even as you um, are looking at our website, that you'll just be encouraged in the Lord and will grow closer to him just even by coming in and acquainting yourself with our ministry. Oh, that's great. Do you have a a life verse or a favorite verse that you'd like to share today? I think... The verse that has meant the most to me and is actually our ministry verse is from Psalm 63, 8. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. And that is what God calls us to be, followers of him, clinging closely to him. And that is your follow hard ministries, following hard, following hard. I love that. I love That's that. Right. Okay. We have about 60 seconds left. Becky, is there anything that you'd like to share with the leaders that are here today? You know, the Lord has called us to be like him and to be lights shining for him. And what a privilege it is to just serve him with all our hearts. You know, um, until the day he calls us home, he wants us to remember that we are serving him and that we must follow him. And in order to truly lead, it means we've got to learn how to follow. And so my prayer for you, for myself as well, is that we will truly be followers of him, not just spectators in the stands cheering him on, but being in there, being willing to sacrifice, being willing to give her all for him, because he is so worthy of all of that. Oh, I love it, love it. Well, thanks so much for being here, and thank you all for being here. We can't have a program without listeners, and every week when we're on the front page of Blog Talk Radio, because you're all here listening, it just makes me so happy that we get to share the air with you and with wonderful guests like Becky. So I hope you go check out her website at followhardministries.com. Always welcome over at marty.com. And don't forget to check out all the speakers over at womenspeakers.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 